All right, thank you for being here, being back in your place on a Sunday night, and we're going to be looking at Psalm chapter 95. We had a great day this morning, and thank you for your effort. And really, I, I, I know it's a Sunday like this. We were really, really, really busy with youth conference, and, uh, and so thank you for uh, not forgetting that, that the church services are important and serving the Lord on Sundays are important as well. And so thank you for that. I want to hit a little bit of a subject tonight that um, um, I'll get to it in a minute, but when um, you think about it, when it comes to, to things that are not popular, when people talk about them, it's not a mean-spirited thing, but money's one topic people don't want to hear about, and um, the, the, this other subject could be really closely aligned to that, and so I just want to share a few thoughts about that tonight. I can find out what's important to somebody um, if you look closely at their life, right? And, and, and a lot of times it's not necessarily the things that they will tell you are important. You, you get past their words and, and you, you see in their life and it's like, I can tell you what's important. I, about two weeks ago, I get these emails from some of these leadership guys and, and one of them sent an article and it was a CEO make, uh, saying this. He said, it is okay as a parent to miss some of the key events in your children's life. He said, it's okay to miss their birthdays. It's okay to miss their sporting events. It's okay to miss some of their school things. It's okay to miss dinners with them if you're working. And his whole logic behind it was, you know, eventually when they get older, they're going to appreciate that I was out working long hours making a lot of money for them. And I just thought he could not be more wrong. And I guarantee you when his children grow up, they're going to they're, they're they're disagree with what he was saying. The fact of the matter is the reason he would do that is because what was important in his life was working and making money. And he wanted to make an excuse for it. He can say all he wants that he's doing it because his children aren't important to him. But the fact of the matter is his schedule tells me that they're not. His priorities tell me that they're not. That's the whole point. We can identify what's important to somebody. And I'm going to look at a subject tonight. The book of Psalms is a divinely inspired songbook. It, uh, there's many writers. David's one of the key writers of the books of Psalms. In other words, it takes God's inspired biblical truth and it was put into a form where it was to be sung. The point of the Psalms are to, is, are to praise God in joyfulness and praise God for our beliefs. By the way, it always amazes me when someone says, you know, Pastor, I'm just not the excitable type. I'm just, I'm just kind of keep to myself and I have my beliefs and I just, I'm not real excitable. That's an absolute lie. It's just that you have to find out what they get excited about, right? You stick them in a football stadium. They, look, they'll sit in church and we'll sing songs and you don't get a holy grunt. But their, their team gets a touchdown at the right time, they come unhinged. And by the way, I like cheering for my team too, okay? But uh, it's not a matter that they don't get excited, they just don't get excited about the right kind of things. And I'm not saying you have to be excited by spinning on your head or whatever. There's an excitement level. But I know that we can be excited about God. 
And we can praise him and be joyful for what he's doing in our life. This psalm is written by David. It does not tell us, it does not tell us here in the, in the text, but we know because it's quoted in another place in the New Testament and allusion is made to the fact that David was the one. Like a lot of the psalms, they're written in a context of, a, of an event in David's life, and it kind of adds context to what's being said, but in this psalm, that is not the case. As you look at the psalm, you can easily divide it into two parts. The first one is talking about worship and praise to God. That's the first six verses. The second part is warning of punishment. And by the way, those all go together. It's two sides of the same coin. On one side of the God, on one side of the coin, we praise God and we're joyful. On the other side of the coin, we ought to have a fear of the Lord and understand that He expects some things for our life. That's not, that's not a hard thing to get to. But I want to focus on that first part of the psalm, the, the, the part about praising God. Why do we praise him? Look at verse 1. He says, Oh, come, let us sing unto the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the, what's the word there? The rock of our salvation. If you look through the book of Psalms in reference to God, it, it, it references him as our rock on several occasions. Why is it? Because a rock, because of, uh, uh, of what it is, it is the foundation of everything. He is the foundation or the rock of our salvation. He is the foundation or the rock of our strength. He is the a rock, a, a foundation of our sanctification in everything in our life. He is our rock. And we're supposed to express, express our joyfulness and thankfulness to him. We are to, by our, our joy and our thankfulness, to show how important he is to us in our lives. So to know how to show his importance to him and to show to us how important he is, there are some basic questions, a basic question we can answer. We asked it earlier. How can you tell what's important to somebody? There are many ways. There's a stewardship test. We talked a little bit about that this morning. And I understand for a newer person maybe not to understand, and they're a little bit, you know, when it comes to talking about money or whatever, which we do not do all the time. But there's a stewardship test. What's the stewardship test? What gets our time? Look at how you spend your time, and that tells you what's important to you. What gets your talent? What do you use your, your God-given skills for? You can use it for many things, but if you're not using it for God, then maybe he's not as important as he should be. And as we mentioned this morning, what gets our treasure? What are we investing in? There's also the emotional test. What gets my excitement? What do I get excited about? What, 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 what makes me passionate to, to, to live my life for something? That's the emotional test. But there's also a commitment test. What are we devoted to? What is it that, that it has us and we want to grow in it? What is it that we will stand for? And by the way, what you're committed to, you will stand for. And what gets our faithfulness? What is it that we have no, you know, the same person that can't get here to church on nine, at 9.30 for, um, for uh, not prayer meeting, for Sunday school. But uh, recently we've been doing, I've been golfing a little bit. I, I quit for 20 years and I've been trying to golf. Uh, it's going to be a great source of exercise the way I play. <laughs> but we went out on a Friday and we did recreation. It's a, it's a long, I've been doing three par. This was a long course. And I'm like, I'm not getting a, you know, they said that Jack had a, a cart. They gave us a cart. I'm, like, I'm not getting a cart. That's for sissies. I'm walking. We were supposed to do 18 holes. After nine holes, I'm like, I'm done. Okay, I am. 
done, all right? Next time I go there, I'm getting a cart. Now, if I hit the ball straight, maybe, maybe, maybe I wouldn't need a cart, but man, I did not hit. I, 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 I was all over that whole golf course, brother. But, but you say, hey, let's get a tea time. Six in the morning. They'll get up. Let's get to Sunday school at 9.30. 9.30? That's early. So you know what we're doing next Sunday? We're having golf at 10. Let's be here, whatever you like, all right? But what is it that makes, that, that gets us? Well, here's the thought tonight. What gets your heart? What has your heart? Because once something is in your heart, you know it's going to be ex expressed. And here's the area we'll talk a little bit about. It's not all about that. There's some, some, some things that we can praise here we'll get to in a minute. But one area that shows our heart, that shows what's really important to us is our music. See? Who and what we sing about says a lot about who and what is important to you. Who and what we listen to says a lot about what's important to us. Why, why, uh, what the type of music, why is the type of music that we listen to and use in our church and listen to in our lives important to us either as individuals or as a church? I'm going to give you a couple thoughts here before we get into the scripture. Because music sets a spirit. The world knows this, by the way. But Christians, we want to claim ignorance, Right? Music sets a spirit. That, that, what are, you know what they do? They make a movie or a television show or, or anything like that, and one of the key things they do is they have a soundtrack. And the soundtrack's got to match what's going on in the scene. And, and because that's, that music creates the spirit which is going to lead you right in to that scene. Right? We, we know this one. Dun dun. Dun -dun -dun -dun. Someone's about to get eaten. Jaws. Right? You know, if, if here comes the shark ready to eat somebody, and if they're playing, no. Does that song even have words? If they're playing some beautiful song while the shark's eating somebody, it doesn't fit. Unless it's dinner music for the dumb shark. Right? You say, oh, pastor, it doesn't set it. Okay, think about having a, a romantic dinner with your wife or husband, by the way. And you get the nice table and it's dark and the lights are dim and the candle's there and she's dressed up and you're dressed up. They don't say, dun, 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 no. <laughs> it's like, now after you get married, it's on, Okay. <laughs> Say, so, you know, at our wedding, they sang the battle's on, Christian soldier. But you play because it sets a mood. The music you listen to is going to set the mood in your life. We're not going to have the kind of music in our church that sets the mood that, you know, uh, that, that, that sets an anti-praise God mood. Also, music reveals a church. And I, look, I'm not against churches or whatever, but I know some churches are not the type of church I would want to raise my family in. Okay? And, and some churches are a little bit off. You know how you can tell? Go in and listen to their music. You go in there and you see what it is, and I'm like, that's the kind of church and that's the kind of Christian you're going to produce. That's how churches work. We are a conservative church. 
And the reason we are is because the Bible is a conservative book. By conservative, I'm not talking about politics. That word's been stolen and taken, well, you know, conservative politics. No, if it's conservative politics because it's conservative beliefs about morality, that's fine. We talked about that this morning. But we're conservative in nature. The Bible's a conservative book. You're not going to find a church that's going to be in tune with God's conservative beliefs that does not have that kind of music. It doesn't go to, especially if it's setting the spirit. And by the way, we are not going to do there, that. You're not going to see a conservative church with music that's more in tuned with what the world's doing. And I get it. It sounds appealing. We'll change the music to what the world likes to reach the world. It doesn't work that way. That's like saying if we're going to reach the world, instead of a coffee, a coffee house, we'll set up a bar. So we're not doing any of that. We're going to have God-honoring music. Over the years, there's a church. We haven't been there in many years recently, but up in the Northwest, we would go through on vacation, and we'd stop several times. And the first time I stopped, it was, it was, very, it was good, conservative, and all that. But, but as I sat in the service, the, the music they used wasn't horrible. It was a little bit different. And I'm like, That's just, that just seems a little different. And then the next, next time we went by, it was way different. And then they got the frontline singers, and, 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 and I haven't went there, but a missionary was there, and I checked their way, and it's like, you got ladies up there that are dressed in ways that aren't going to make you think about God. The music is totally went in right field, because the music took them there. And we don't want to do that. Music reveals a church. And I hope when someone comes in, they, when they hear the music, all they're thinking about is the Lord. And it leads them to worship him and to think about him. Also, if music defines a church, I'll say this, music defines a Christian. I can tell what kind of Christian you are. Let me see the music you listen to. Okay? By the way, someone says, you know, Pastor, I'm struggling in my Christian life. I don't do this, but I can ask, you know, are you spending time with God and all that? But I can ask, let me see your playlist. What are you listening to? Music that's not godly, music that ministers, even if it claims to be Christian, ministers to our flesh, it's not going to lead us to God. And so what, what kind of music are you listening to? It defines a church, but it's also going to define you as well. Also, music leads the listener. You see, when your music changes, your direction will change. This is all there is to it. Um... If music at a church changes, the direction of the church is going to change. And I've mentioned this before, and I'm not belaboring it. I don't know if I've mentioned it. But remember, years ago, Brother Board sent us a clip of a church he went to on deputation. And he goes, here was their music, you know, when I went to that church on deputation. And he, he showed us a clip. It wasn't horrible. They were playing a hymn. I don't like the style they played it. That kind of bothered me. And then, um, then he showed what it was eight years later after he'd been on the mission field. Dark lights, full rock and roll band. The only way you could tell that it was a church is because the songs had a couple words about God in them. Other than that, you couldn't tell. You could have been at the nightclub. It had been the same thing. And it's like, this church has changed. Well, I went back to the first clip. Brother Panetta, you probably saw it. And I'm, I'm like, that first clip was already telling me what direction they were going. It was leading them somewhere. Music leads. It takes you somewhere. If you're serving the Lord and seriously sold out, if you change the music you listen to, and it's not of that sort that's going to push you that way, you're headed down a bad path. And by the way, it will not just lead you to a less conservative style of Christian leading, 
living, it'll lead you to a non-Christian way of living. That's, and it's going to lead you to basically non-Christian music. You say, Pastor, prove it. Okay. For those of you who understand what I'm talking about, there's a brand of music, uh, contemporary Christian music, CCM. Basically, all it is is the same kind of music that the world listens to, and they've tried to Christianize it. But look at the artist. Years ago, years, years, years ago, there was a bookstore over off of Bellflower. And I remember I went there for, I was just there looking for a book, and I went there, and they had a Christian rock band there. They, I mean, you know, the whole thing with the shave head and the spiked pink hair, you know, the, the, the dog collar and all this. If you walk, would have walked in there, you could, they could have said that they were whatever band that plays today that's not Christian, and you would have bought into it because that's what they looked. They didn't smile. They had the, they had the whole thing down. It's like there, there, was, there was nothing there of God. By the way, you know, I found, you know, it was very telling. That went out of business. You know what I found? I went in, and they had those theft devices, Christian bookstore. You know what I'm talking about where you walk through, and you know why they had those? I asked them. They had those for one reason, the Christian music. That's the only thing they were stealing. Does that say a lot about what that type of music? They weren't stealing Bibles. They weren't stealing books. But they had all this music in cases with those little things on them. I'm just telling you, it goes somewhere. You look at many of those contemporary Christian artists, I dare you if you're listening to it, and they'll, they ask, who's your musical influences? And they will name unsaved, secular, godless artists. I, I just, I can't listen to that. that. That's just going to, it's nonsense. Also, what's important, because music communicates a truth. Look at the hymns. They, they teach Solid, biblical truth. Not that all don't, but most of our, this new Christian music coming out, uh, it, look, the, you know, they're saying words to God, and they really don't use God's name, and the fact of the matter is you could sing it to your girlfriend, and she wouldn't know the difference. There's no solid truth, because we're trying to make music under the guise of unity, which we're not supposed to be unified with that which is not Christian, and also to reach people. Look in the Bible and show me in the Bible where music is an evangelical tool. It's not. The gospel is. Because the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. Music is about my relationship and singing praise to God. And if I want to sing praise to God, the first thing God wants me to do is get saved. And then when I get saved, then I get everything in order so I can honor and glorify him in my life. By the way, that's why this modern Christianity, it's, it's, it's going sideways. These singers, a lot of them now are doing what they call deconstructing. In other words, they're backing away from their faith. These are people that were Christian singers. Top 10 Christian billboard singers that say they no longer believe in God. Where'd that come from? Because that music and that lifestyle isn't a godly lifestyle. So there's not much difference to it. And by the way, a person that says, I used to be a Christian, I'm saved, and I no longer believe in God, they were never a believer in the first place. And I've mentioned this. That'd be like me divorcing my wife and saying, you know, it's not that I just am no longer married to her. I don't believe she exists anymore. I had a relationship with her. 
Now, if I'm not right, this relationship can go sour, but I'm not going to believe she never existed. But that's a message for another day. By the way, recently, the number one Christian song on the billboards was by a, a, a gay Christian. There's no such thing, by the way. If we're going to have gay Christian, we have to have adulterous Christian, drunken Christian, uh, a th- thieving Christian, or whatever you name. There's no such thing. We're Christians. We don't, we don't identify our Christianity by putting a sin in front of it. But anyhow. And then music also directs a culture. It directs a culture. That's kind of like with, the, with, with setting a spirit, right? There's a culture that goes with music. Many years ago, it went out of business. My wife and I went to a, there used to be a Texas roadhouse over off of 2nd and PCH. It was a good play. And my wife and I went there, and about every hour, we just happened to be there. When it happened, they, the music would come on. They're like, all right, line dance. I'm like, line dance? I'm here for steak. Chicken, combo, you know what I'm saying? And the rolls, they were off the hook. But anyhow, and, and, and so all the workers, and they were not excited about it. They all got in a line, and they played music, and they're like, <laughs> you know, and they're like, can the song get over? But can I just tell you something? Can you tell what kind of music they played for a line dance? It was country and western. They did not play Handel's Messiah. It would not have worked. When you think about the country and western culture, there's a music that fits that culture. Look, you want to go, if you go to a, uh, and I don't suggest you do it, you go to like a hip-hop place, bar or whatever, they're not going to play classical music. It doesn't go with it. That's why certain dress, look, growing up, I, I was into rock music, okay? That was my thing. All the concerts, all of it, loved it. There was a certain way, it was more the surfer type thing, right? The rock guy type thing. I had a buddy, we had a buddy, and, and uh, he had a car, and we'd go out with him sometimes, and, and it was, this was the late 70s and uh, early 80s, and, and, and he should have been born in the 50s. He loved classic cars, the 50 cars, and he loved 50s music. And so, and I didn't like going around with them because I hated that music. And we get in the car with them, and you know what he had? He had the, the, the tight Levi's. He had the white t-shirt with the cigarettes rolled up. His hair greased back. He thought he was living in the 50s. He had a 50s car that was really nice, and he's playing, you know, uh, it's my party and I'll cry if I want to, all that kind of stuff. 50s music that made me, and it fit the vibe. If we would have gotten that car and he played like Christian music or classical music, it wouldn't have fit. There's a culture. Music produces a culture. It's not just hip-hop music, it's the hip-hop culture. It's not rock music, it's the rock culture, the rap culture, all of it. Now, that was introduction, okay? I said, Pastor, it'll go fast, don't worry about it. But I believe the best music we can listen to is rock music. Now, not the kind I used to listen to. I got to say this. One time we had a fellowship at our house, and my kids know my background, you know, rock music. Yeah, you know, you've heard me say the groups I listen to. And and we had a group over our house, and we were playing that game. Uh, You know, the game was like there's a category, 70s things. And you put it on there as a word, and they give you clues, and you guess what it is, right? Well, that was the category, the 70s. And my daughter Jessica was playing with me, and something popped up. She goes, uh, your favorite group. And I'm like, Led Zeppelin. She goes, yes. And everybody that was there was looking around like, Led Zeppelin. <laughs> it's like, I thought you were the pastor. 
It's like, yeah, but you know, hey, I backslide every now and then. I'm like, that was my old favorite group. She knew that, all right? And I knew they were from the 70s. But I believe the best music is the rock music. What is it? Music we sing to our rock. Look at that word in the book of Psalms. He is our rock. I think our music ought to just center around God. And by the way, music must be a part of our, our life. And our music must lift up what God, we desire to live. And if those two are in harmony, we're going to be doing pretty good here. And so it's very important that we have the right kind of music. And if we have the right kind of music, it's going to express a few things. I'll go through it quickly because the introduction was long. Here's the kind of music we should listen to, the rock music we should listen to. First of all, it has the element of speaking of our salvation. Look at verse 1. Oh, come, let us sing unto the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our, what's that word? That's the starting point. Christian music should focus on several key things, and one of them ought to be our salvation. I mean, we do not, we, we forget about it so quickly, and it is such a life-altering and eternity-changing event. Don't we understand? Salvation is the starting point of our Christianity. We were not a Christian. We were lost and on our way to hell until we received Christ as our Savior. And it was the turning point of our lives. Now because we're saved and we have the Lord in our life, we can change that direction of our life and we can, we can live for him and everything about us is going to be new. The psalm says we're dug out of the pit. And it's also the beginning of our joy. You know how can we can have joy in our life? Because of God. Without that, we're just bumping around, and we may have moments of, of happiness. We may have moments of joy, but when we have God, no matter what's going on in our life, we can still maintain that joy. Many of the psalms were written, uh, many of the uh, songs in our songbook were written during bad times or, or bad events in the life of the hymn writer. You know why? Because they were still saved. God was still working in their life. Saved. By the way, do you not, we understand that God wants us to remember our salvation. Every three months, on a Thursday night, we, do the Lord's, we take the Lord's Supper. You know what the Lord's Supper is about? Remembrance. It's about us sitting back and remembering that Jesus Christ gave his body to be beaten and broke, uh, not broken, but beaten for us. And he gave his blood and shed his blood for our salvation. And he goes, this do in remembrance of me. God doesn't want us to forget that wonderful day when we trusted him as our Savior. Our songs ought to focus on that. Secondly, devotion. He says in verse 2, oh, let, oh, uh, oh, let us come before his presence. That is spending time with him. That's a byproduct of salvation. We are now saved, we are now God's child, and now we can come before him and spend time with him. Do you know our songs ought to talk about that? We had a great youth conference, and by the way, I think all of the songs, except for the last song Karina sang, were by all of our singles. And in the morning, I think it was our young people singing. And the songs were all fantastic, and they were all phenomenal. And the messages. I love the last song of the conference, Miss Karina's. Lord, I want to know you more. Deep within my soul, I want to know you. 
Is that the desire of our heart? By the way, if you're listening to these idiotic new songs that's all about emotions and, and I feel like I'm living in the desert and I want to climb a tree for Jesus, hey, that's a bunch of nonsense. I want songs that make me think about God and want me to get closer to him. Right? Listen, these guys, they listen to these love songs, you know, and they think about their girlfriend. Okay, that, that's fine. Christian song, think about your girlfriend. Because they want to be closer to her. Shouldn't Christian music drive us closer to him? If we're thinking about him because it's the right kind of music and we understand what it's saying, you know, we sing to the Lord with understanding. Psalm tells us that. But shouldn't it drive us to want to be closer to our God? You say, well, pastor, does, music, does that really happen? Well, let me explain this. Think about your music. Does your music drive you closer to God? Or does it tempt you to go farther from God? See, that's what happens. You get, you get in here and you, you're listening to music that mimics what the world does, says, and then you're going to realize something. The world does that music better than Christians do. It just does. And we're tempted to go to the source of that music. And the source of that music is the world, of course. You say, but is that true? Isn't all music amoral? How many have ever heard someone say that? Music is just amoral. And here's the illustration, just like the alphabet, right? The letters of the alphabet, they're neither good nor bad. A, B, C, D, and all the rest of them. Well, that's true except for one thing. Until you take those letters and you string them together. And if I wanted to, I could string those words together and say some things that are pretty God-dishonoring. So yes, they're immoral, but put together in a wrong sequence, they are immoral. Same thing with music. And by the way, let me just say this, I'm not a music expert, but I didn't grow up in church. And music was a big part of my life. And I walked into church, and I gave up everything for God, and I realized my music was a train wreck, and I said, goodbye. And I looked at the ch music in church, and I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. I'm never listening to that stuff. I just won't listen to music because it's nothing like what I was listening to. But you know what happened? As I listened to the songs... And I heard them, and I heard the truths. I'm like, that's good. That's good. And I love that music. Devotion. Does your music drive you closer to God? The type of music you have will determine your appetite to draw close to God. And I hope it does. I've said this a hundred times, and I'll never change. You will never, spiritually, you'll never rise rise above the level of the music you listen to. I'm just, I'm just going to be honest with you. Get music that challenges you to draw close to God. Get music that causes you to think about how good he is. And I'll hurry through. Number three, thankfulness. With thanksgiving. And make a joyful music, and make a joyful noise unto the Lord with psalms. You know, the type of music we think we listen to, if we think about what it's saying, the words ought to just prompt us to say, you know what, God is good. How many, look, we all need reminders, right? We all constantly need reminders. That's why we read our Bibles. That's why we, we learn. It's like, you're, you're right, man. I, I, I don't think, I, none of us, I guarantee you, none of us thank God enough. And God's gracious, don't get me wrong. I'm not, you know, hammering on us. I'm just saying, let's remember how good God is. 
When I read the Bible, I think about how good God is. But when I put on the right kind of music, I also think about how good God is. It drives me to be thankful for what God is doing in my life. I don't want music, and I'm not trying to be mean-spirited here. I don't want this modern Christian music that's really more than spiritual cotton candy. It looks pretty, it's fluffy, and it th seems good, but when you eat it, you ought to eat the paper cone that it's on because that has more nutrition. So how do you make cotton candy? Air and sugar. I'm sure there's something to keep it together. And you get an upset stomach. It, it's not like, man, I'm hungry, man. I, I want something to eat. I haven't eaten all day. I know, cotton candy. How many know what I'm talking about? And that doesn't, it gets on your clothes and your fingers. It's horrible. Okay? That's what most of the music is. It has nothing good. There's zero substance to it. I want something that has substance. I want something that drives me to God and ministers to my spirit, not to my flesh. Amen. Our music ought to speak of salvation. Look at verse 3. For the Lord is a great God. By the way, he is. He's all-powerful. He's all-knowing. He's all-seeing. He's all-present. He is a great God and a great king. He is in charge of the whole world. And by the way, he's in charge of you and me. But here's the question. Are we submitting to his position? We can fight it. We can. I want music that lifts him up so high, I can't help but say, I want to be under what he wants. I want to, I just want to, I understand who he is, and I'm hearing about his power, and the music has encouraged me to what God can do in my life, and I'm going to follow it. We just want to, with most Christians, we don't want to do God's will. We want something that will, we just want something that we can feel uh, 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 cleanses our conscience. So, well, you know, at least I'm not listening to this other kind of music. You're listening to music that's not helping you. Our music ought to be like the truths of the Bible, and it pushes us to say, Lord, I want to serve you. I, I, want, I want to know you more, and I just want to do whatever you want me to do. We just, all the songs, and I'm not against this. They, they, uh, they're about our needs and our emotions and our accomplishments and our desires and our life and what we want and God just giving us everything we want. Listen, if, if God gave us everything we wanted, we would be miserable because he knows best what's best for us. You ask your kids what they want for dinner. Cheerios. Oh, no, not Cheerios. There's no sugar in that. Um, okay, I don't want to hear your favorite cereal. By the way, I, I, haven't, I don't really eat cereal, but I heard honeycombs went out of business. I am so grieved. I love honeycombs. But anyhow, Fruit Loops. Dad, you know, what I want for, you know what I want for dinner? Fruit Loops and for a vegetable, cupcakes. Kids would be fine with that, I'm telling you. It's not good for them. You've got to make them eat the right thing. So we ought to just want what God wants for us. Third, a fifth, our beliefs. We mentioned this. Look at verses 4 and 5. In his hand are the deep places of the earth. The strength of the hills is his also. The sea is his. He made it. We read that sentence like, okay, the sea is his. He made it. Do you understand how, how deep the sea is and how much of the earth? What, 70%? He made it. No big deal. That's kind of a big deal. Um, and his hands form the dry land. Now it's talking about God's creative power and, and him. And, 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 and I'm taking a little license here, but that's teaching something. God is the creator. That's the doctrine. And our songs ought to have doctrine. Some songs just have horrible doctrine. They, they teach things that are like, that's not of God. And I get it. A couple of the hymns might have a, have a phrase here and there that are kind of off-center. Uh, not, not horrible, but a little off-center. But listen, songs ought to teach truth. 
the world says, no, no, the, it's not the words, we just like the sound. And then they put out, you know, just say no, okay? How many brother put that's your era? Just say no to drugs, okay? They'll try to teach kids. You say, oh, no, music doesn't teach kids. Two words, Coco Melon. Your kid will know the alphabet. He'll know more than you know in two days, okay? Beliefs. We want songs that, that are teaching solid truths about God. And let me just say this. If someone has bad beliefs, they're going to have bad music. And their music is going to go down a dark place. You know, several years ago, and, and recently even, you, you've heard about the Hillsong deal. Everybody was playing Hillsong music. What great music. By the way, they made over $100 million a year in their music. You know how much we make on our music? We lose about $1,000, so we don't make anything. And what happened to that type of music? The whole thing is crumbling now. Pastors that were immoral. They, the money they wasted and all the nonsense they got to them. Because when you start getting off in left field in your actions, you're not going to write songs that are honoring to God. Humility. Look at verse 6. Oh, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. That's why music should be focused primarily on God. And I'm not against songs. That, there's a lot of good songs, you know. Um, God sees a cloud... Uh, clouds on the other side or sees these things dun, dun, dun. I don't know the words and I'm not singing it because I love music but I can't sing and that's talking about our problems but it talks about how God's in control of our problems and that promotes that to us but there ought to be a humility anything that lifts up God teaches us who we are right you understand that you know uh, kind of like David what is man that thou art mindful of him it's like, God, why do you even think about us? You are so much higher than we are. By the way, that can cause us to praise God because he still does think about us, even though we can be horrible. But our songs ought to cause us to say, Lord, I'm coming, I'm kneeling before you. And when you kneel before God, you're saying, Lord, I'm not in charge of anything. You are in charge of everything. And then the same thing here, the last thing is position. For he is our God. And we are the people of his pasture, and a phrase we're probably not going to like, in the sheep of his hand. I've touched on this. God calls us sheep. And you know what sheep are? Dumb. And dumb is being kind. They'll follow another sheep off a hill. They, they'll bah, right up to a wolf. They're not very bright. I heard a guy preaching one time. He said, I grew up. And he goes, sheep are fearful and they are stupid. He goes, we had sheep on the farm. He goes, I was going to scare one. He said, I hid around the barn, and this sheep came running. He goes, ah! He goes, the sheep literally died of a heart attack right there. He goes, and I had to go explain that to my dad. They're not very bright. And that's funny. God calls us sheep. Now, he's, he's not trying to be, he's not trying to, you know, cause us a heart attack. He's just saying, look. When it comes to what's going on in this world, you don't know what's going on. You'll make mistakes. He's not calling us sheep to put us down. He's calling us sh sheep to, put, to lift him up. Let him be the shepherd. Let him guide us, and we'll get through all of the nonsense. And I want songs that lift up God's position. If our music isn't pushing us towards the shepherd, then it's pushing us towards destruction. What's the point that I've mentioned? I didn't grow up in church. I listened to the wrong kind of music. 
And by the way, I could just tell you personal experience what that, what that music leads you to. It just, that's what it is. I'm sorry. But you know what? Music's vitally important. And I want, I want music in our church, and I want music in my life, and I encourage you to have music in your life that, that strengthens the foundation of your relationship with God. It doesn't lead you towards something that's going to push you in a different direction. I want music that's God-honoring and just ministers to my spirit and not to my flesh. And I hope that you want the same thing. So where do we find that music? It's music that's about him. It's music that's sung not just about him, but it's in a God-honoring form that we can follow. Let's stand together tonight. Thank you for listening. I went a little bit fast. We were a little bit long this morning. I didn't want to keep you late tonight. But let me just ask you this, and this is between you and God and the paint on the wall. What are you listening to? What are you listening to? My Christian life, look, I was ignorant. I was saved. I was serving God, and I'd go home, I'd read my Bible, and then I'd put on my, my you know, I'm, I'm dating myself, my albums, okay, <laughs> hundreds of them. And, and they didn't preach a message at church. They didn't talk about it at church. And I'm listening to that music, and I'm reading my Bible. I'm like, these two are completely incompatible. What I'm listening to in my music is completely different. And what I'm hearing at church, it's completely different than what I'm reading in my Bible. Something needs to go. And I threw all of them away. That helped my life go to a new level. And then I went to church and said, I'm not listening to that stuff. I don't like it. And when I got into the right kind of Christian music that, got, that ministered to my soul, I went to another level. And music can do that for you too. No, it can't replace your Bible reading and all that stuff, but it comes behind us and encourages us and it lifts up our, our God in our life throughout the day. What are you listening to? If you're struggling in your Christian life, I guarantee you you're struggling in your music. Guarantee. I don't bet, but if I did, I'd bet on it because I know how that feels. Maybe you're new and just say, look, I, I, wanna, I, want, God, I wanna lift you up in my life and listen to music that pushes us in that direction. Piano's gonna play. Maybe if God spoke to you about something, it doesn't mean that you're listening to horrible music. Just say, Lord, I want, I want you to speak to me through the songs. By the way, that's why it's important that we sing together when we sing in church. Because we're singing songs and we're thinking about the Lord. And by the way, singing those songs prepares our heart for everything that goes on in the service. You listen to these songs that are specials that are being sung. Man, I'm ready to get up and preach the word of God. Because God's ministered to me.